doesn't feel like um, it's time for school yet, but it is, and time for promotion Sunday, because I know it feels like, to me, it's still uh, summer. Now, I know I've missed some Sundays on vacation. Jerry is out this week as well on vacation. He will be back next Sunday, but I wanted to give us a little context um, as we continue into Philippians, as Liz included in her prayer. So since we're kind of about in the middle of Philippians, to give you uh, some uh, context as to where we are. So we're in chapter 2. Now, Paul is writing Philippians, a letter to the Philippians, uh, from jail in Rome to that church, that new church in Philippi. Now, he's jailed probably because he was falsely accused of bringing non-Jews into the temple in Jerusalem, and he eventually appeals his case to Rome and then is sent to Rome and is in jail there waiting trial. So Paul does what he can while he's there in jail, writing letters to several churches, so several of the New Testament, the shorter letters we have in the New Testament, are from jail in Rome, and then he finds trusted messengers to send those out, which leads us today where Paul is sending out two messengers uh, from Rome back to Philippi. And so let's pick up the story in Philippians 2, verses 19 through 30. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I may be cheered by news of you, I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. All of them are seeking their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But Timothy's worth you know how like a son with a father he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope therefore to send him as soon as I see how things go with me, and I trust in the Lord I will also come soon. Still, I think it is necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and co-worker and fellow soldier, your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for all of you, and he has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. He was indeed so ill that he nearly died. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, so that I would not have one sorrow after another. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, in order that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. Welcome him then in the Lord with all joy, and honor such people, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for those services that you could not give me. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, as we come together, as we've been singing and praying, now we ask that you give us guidance as we read and study your word, as we learn about it and apply it to our lives. And so we pray, God, that may the meditations of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. Amen. So I made some notes for you today, uh, a little different than what Jerry would normally do, but it is something that's on the inside cover of your bulletin. You certainly don't have to look at them. But if you want to, uh, some minimal notes there that we are going to talk about um, every one of those bullet points in the inside cover of your bulletin. Well, today we really live in a small world. Although it's the same size, it feels much smaller. Last summer, as many of you know, my family and I got to go to Israel. And after a long layover in Toronto in the airport there, it seemed like it actually didn't take that long to get Uh, from North America over to Israel. It was about 14, 15 hours, I think, altogether. Now, 
My knees and my legs didn't feel like so much because uh, part of that time I had a, a seat with a lot of room. A lot of that time I was in coach, you know, and I'm kind of a tall guy, so my knees are jammed into the seat in the back of me. However, it is amazing to go around the world that we're able to do that so fast. The world is also small today as we can send messages immediately. And I've learned how to text. I've mentioned over the years mainly because of my kids. My kids are, are communicating through Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat. But whatever it is, the way we communicate, we can communicate long distances immediately. But for Paul, writing just about 30 years after the time of Christ, sending a, a message with a messenger took much time and a lot of care and even some risk. It might take seven or eight weeks from someone to, for someone to travel from Rome to Philippi. And so it was a much more serious uh, endeavor to send a message with the messenger. So Paul is sending, he's talking about that here, who is he sending and why? He is sending Timothy and Epaphroditus. Now Timothy is someone very close to Paul. Paul says it's like a father-son relationship. He says here he has no one like Timothy who is genuinely concerned for the people. That Timothy looks not only out for his own interest, but for the interest of others. And Paul, I think without mistake, is using the same language that he uses earlier in Philippians 2 when he's talking about Christ and how we're supposed to be looking out for others' interests as well. He's sending Timothy uh, with a message and uh, with a job to do. He's to encourage the people in Philippi. It's a new church plan. They need encouragement. They need checking on to see how they're holding up. And Paul trusts Timothy to go and to offer his care for them. He says he has genuine concern for the people there. Now, Paul trusts Timothy because he has trained him. He's equipped him. Now, my guess is that Paul um, and Timothy didn't sit down in a class like we're going to do in just a few weeks with the ZPC men. We're going to gather up in one of the 200 rooms. We're going to put on a little uh, DVD, a video series, and then we're going to have workbooks that we're going to talk about. My guess is that's not what Paul and Timothy did. But they spent time together. N.T. Wright, a Bible scholar, says in the ancient world, this happened when older workers and younger ones or fathers and sons uh, learned how to run a family business or run a trade. It was very hands-on. Paul and Timothy had an intimate bond where Timothy watched and copied what Paul did. So this was really the equipping and training. And so we need to be about that here at ZPC as well. It's a, in our Sunday school classes and when we study the Bible, that's a great thing. But it needs also to be about relationship because oftentimes relationship and working in relationship through difficult times brings about change. Because it's not just about information, but transformation. Again, equipping is not just information, but equipping is transformation. So earlier in my ministry here at ZPC, we had an associate pastor who was older than me. He was about my dad's age. And I was drawn to him to try to learn from him. His name was Quentin Small. It was, was a great guy. And he was here as an associate pastor right near the end of his career. And I think I was really drawn to Quentin for his passion for people, for Jesus, and he loved being a pastor. Now, I specifically remember, although this is many years ago, his office and my office were next to each other. 
And I could some, he kind of talked loud. And so I could hear sometimes when he was on his phone calls. And occasionally he would hang up from a phone call and he would start clapping. And I thought, this is kind of weird. You know, this is a little strange. But then I found out that he was oftentimes, he was talking to someone that he had asked to be involved in a ministry or asked to go on a short-term mission trip or invited them to something. And when they said yes, when they said that they would join in and he knew he would get to build a relationship with them, he was so excited about it that he would begin clapping, sitting by himself in his office. So I liked Quentin a lot, and I was drawn to him, and I wanted to ask him more about how he did ministry. And I remember asking him specifically how to conduct a difficult funeral when I had that. Advice on being a good associate pastor or staying passionate for ministry for 40 years, which Quentin did, and he was still passionate at the end of the time before he even retired. And though he's been retired now for many years, I still talk to him at least a couple of times a year. Oftentimes he'll call and and come by when he's in the Indianapolis area and stop by the church to visit us. And Quentin was like Paul to my Timothy. He really, I felt, equipped me, and he was someone that I watched and copied how he did things how he was a pastor. Who has been someone that's been like a Paul to you that you wanted to learn from and copy and be like them? And who is someone that could be a Timothy for you, that now that you have some maturity in your faith, wherever you are in your walk with Christ, is there someone maybe a little younger or maybe a little younger in faith that you might say, I can make an impact on them? by spending time with them and by pouring in maybe a little bit of what I know to help them. Paul writes two letters to Timothy as well in the New Testament, so he doesn't only mention him several times in his other letters, but he he writes two letters specifically to Timothy. And in 2 Timothy 2.2, it's an easy one to remember, 2 Timothy 2.2, he writes this, what you have heard from me, and he's talking to Timothy, what you have heard from me, Timothy, through many witnesses entrust to faithful people who will be able to teach others as well. And this is what we try to do at church. Take what you have heard from me through many witnesses and entrust to faithful people who will be able to teach others as well. And so that's how the faith oftentimes is shared, is by taking what we know and sharing it with others and caring for them. So Paul is sending Timothy, but he's also sending Epaphroditus. So that first four or five verses are about Timothy. The last five or six verses are about Epaphroditus. Now, he's sending Epaphroditus back to Philippi because Epaphroditus' story is different. He had come from Philippi, and he was a messenger from them, and he was bearing gifts. He said he brought gifts, probably uh, money and maybe other gifts. Scholar Ben Witherington says in Roman jails, they know this from history, that families and friends had to provide for those who were in jail, for those who were incarcerated, said Rome would not take care of them. So Epaphroditus is doing this for Paul, and because the travel was so far, because it was dangerous and it took a long time to get there, he was to stay for a long time as Paul needed him uh, to be a companion there in Rome. But it's time to send Epaphroditus back, and Paul's writing this, Uh, And it's sooner than expected because Epaphroditus had gotten sick on the way to Rome. Paul says he almost died, uh, and he wants this sending back to make sure the people know that he's okay there in Philippi. But Epaphroditus, however he had gotten sick, and scholars believe that he had probably gotten sick on the way there, 
he found a way to get there and deliver the gift or the money to Paul. Well, I read in the news this week that there was a story, you may have read this too, it was just a little brief thing about a pizza delivery guy. And on his way to deliver uh, pizza, his car had broken down. Now, he was still a half mile from his delivery, so he got the pizza, got out of his car, left it, and walked the half mile to deliver the pizza. Now, if it was me, I'd say, well, the pizza's cold. I'm not taking this. No, I wouldn't do that at all. I'm sorry. The customer, as I would be, found out that he had walked a half mile to deliver the pizza and was very thankful and is now uh, raising money to help the man to pay for the repair of his car. And we think about that. You know, that took a little more commitment. It took a little more time. It took some effort to do that. Think about Epaphroditus as well as a messenger getting sick on the way of a long journey, but being willing and committed to go the extra mile, probably the extra hundreds of miles, to bring the message and bring the gift to Paul to finish the job. So Paul calls him, calls him he talks about him, and when he's sending him back, he said, Epaphroditus is like a brother, a co-worker, who ministered and, and was a messenger for Paul's needs. And imagine Epaphroditus' job as he goes back. He has a very simple job. He's the one carrying the letter, the letter to the Philippians. Paul's specific about this, that he's the one to carry this letter, which in our Bibles, it was written as a letter, but it's, it's four short chapters. But it's an important job, and Epaphroditus does it well. He's being sent for a specific job to get back and bring the letter, and he does it. And because he did his job, we now, over this two-month period, can study this letter, and we can read things in these four chapters of Philippians that say things like this. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Be anxious for nothing, but pray about everything. The peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ, who gives me strength. And just a couple of weeks ago in chapter 2, we read, So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Without Epaphroditus being sent and without him following through and finishing the job, the letter to the Philippians may not exist, and we may not be able to read and study and be encouraged by those words today. So what's your message? What's your job? Where are you being sent? Where am I being sent? We all have the same message on one hand of sharing Jesus Christ with others. That's an important message that we have. But each of us can live it out in different ways because we're in different seasons of life. Uh, some are single, some are married, some are retired, some are working, some have no kids, some have kids at home, some are empty nesters, some are spending time with your grandchildren. Some of you uh, live in different places. We know different people. We all have different gifts and passions. But whatever those are, it's, it's a great thing. It's not a detriment at all. It's a good thing because we're called to different places in different seasons of life to go out where God is calling us and where God is sending us uh, to answer that call and to go and to serve Him. But being sent can be risky and can cost something as well. And we know that it cost Epaphroditus something. It cost him to come there. He risked his life. He got sick. He almost died. 
Now, I have another friend that I thought about as I was reading Epaphroditus' story this week. Uh, he was a guy about Quentin Small's age who took a big risk in his life to go very much where he felt that God was sending him. It's a man named Dianteen Guerra. He's a Mexican-American who was raised in South Texas and Brownsville, Texas, and he felt sent to help those in poverty along the Texas-Mexico border. Now, he was a successful small business owner. He owned and ran sporting goods stores back around 30 years ago uh, in Brownsville, Texas and other locations there. But he was drawn to help those living in poverty just on the other side of the border, on the other side of the Rio Grande River. And because he felt called so much, because he felt sent to help those people, he sold his stores um, and he went into a ministry that would help build houses and do other good work. So it cost him something. It cost a lot. Well, after being equipped and learning how to do this ministry, he was sent to start his own ministry called Faith Ministry. But he quickly ran into a crisis. He saw the intense poverty in Reynosa, Mexico, and he didn't understand why it was there. And so here's what Dantine said. Here's a quote from him. When I came here for the first time to do mission work, I was culture shocked. I couldn't understand why God had made a river. And on one side of the river, everything was okay. And on the other side, people didn't have anything. And he wanted to fix it. He wanted to fix all the people, the people that didn't have homes or lived in shanties or didn't have enough food to eat, but he couldn't. And so he felt overwhelmed very quickly. He got down and he decided he wanted to quit. And he figured he could go back into the sporting goods business if he needed to. But before he quit, he went and saw a friend, really a mentor of his, and asked him to pray for him. And his mentor said, well, I have a story I want to share. And this is a familiar story. You may have even heard it from me before, but this is the specific story that his mentor shared with him on that day. He said, a father and son walked upon the shore littered with thousands of starfish, beached and dying after a storm. And the son was picking them up one by one and flinging them back into the ocean. The father said, why do you bother? You're not saving enough to make a difference. But the son picked up one more and threw it back into the water. And he said, it made a difference. For that one. It made a difference for that one. And so Dianteen prayed about it, and then he felt sent again uh, to go back to his ministry and not to quit. And here's what he said. I decided to come back to do mission work in the name of Jesus Christ, one house at a time, one family at a time, one patient at a time at the medical clinic, one child with scholarship, one family, and one soul with the church. We do everything in, in his name and for his glory, one at a time. And here's a picture of my friend, Dianteen, who's now retired. And you can see the little starfish on his lapel on the left side. He wears that all the time. And so to this day, more than 23 years later, the starfish remains the symbol of the ministry of faith ministry. He continued in the ministry until his retirement with just a small staff, equipping thousands of volunteers like me and many other volunteers from ZPC who've gone there. And they've made a difference through the building of over 2,000 homes, running a pretty large medical clinic in Reynosa, hundreds of children through child sponsorships, and building and supporting financially three churches in Mexico. Now, I love short-term missions, and I love going down to Mexico, and that's one way to be sent. And I want to 
I want to give props. I want to give support to people. Maybe some of you here, although I'm looking around, I don't see you. But some of our folks just in the last month have been on great short-term mission trips. They've been sent by this church. They've been sent by God to go out and to do his work. We had four ZPCers sent to Haiti to help run a VBS for 450 kids. And they are equipping, I heard just this week, they're equipping and training the Haitian leaders to run the VBS. As you would imagine, with only four of them, they couldn't do it alone. We had a handful of ZPCers go to Kenya with another ministry to deliver and install water purifiers. That was just recent. And two ZPC men are either just returning or have just returned from working on an orphanage in Uganda. But I want to tell you, and I I love short-term missions, but I want to tell you, you don't have to go to Mexico or Haiti or Kenya or Uganda to be sent. You can go near your home. And even for Dean Tingera, he lived in Brownsville, Texas. He lived right on the border. He still lives in Brownsville. So even for him, he didn't have to go far. You don't have to go far. You can be sent maybe to a neighbor or a friend or a coworker, maybe even one of your family members, maybe to an elderly parent or a niece or a nephew or a grandchild. It may be somewhere that you're being called. Maybe it's in your work right now, your career, that you feel God is empowering you and equipping you to do his work where you work. So go where you are called. But know that it will oftentimes cost you something. Even if you go close by, it probably means stepping out of faith, out of your comfort zone, to risk reaching out to someone else. And we want to be able to equip you. That's part of our job at ZPC is we think about, you know, what's our job as pastors and as staff and as leaders at ZPC? It's to equip and support each other so that we can do ministry. I have a few examples of how we do that. We we teach Scripture every week on Sunday mornings and on Sunday nights. We teach Scripture to our children and youth so that they can go out and live for Christ at their age. We have a hospital team that's under the authority of the deacons. Now, they meet a couple of times a year, sometimes several times a year, and I've been at those meetings, and we specifically discuss how do you make a good, healthy hospital visit? Who do we need to call? What do we need to do about this? And we talk about that. So we're equipping each other to go and to make hospital visits. Our home group leaders are getting ready to meet in a couple of weeks as we begin home groups again. And we talk about hospitality and how do you facilitate a group discussion? How do you care for your group members? Because we want to equip them so that we can all enjoy and grow and be equipped in our home groups. We had a high school student here at ZPC who felt sent. He was called to serve on the Awakening team last year and give a talk at the Awakening. Now, the Awakening is kind of our high school version of Great Banquet. It's a three-day spiritual retreat. It meets every February. There's a, there's a weekend for uh, young men and a weekend for young women who are in high school. But to be on that team, he had to be equipped. He had to take time for six or eight team meetings because he was asked to give a talk, he had to write a several-page talk, and then nervously, because I've given these two, you have to give it in front of your team, and they critique you, and they give you feedback on your talk so that it can be better when you give that talk on the weekend. Now, he also felt sent to invite someone to the Awakening Weekend. So it was Sean O'Dell, if you know Sean, just graduated from high school. He invited his friend, Connor Crittenden, who were both seniors last year at Pike 
high school to come to the awakening. Connor accepted and came to the awakening, and I met with Connor this week. Connor was already a Christian. He had grown up in church, but he came to the awakening and felt it was life-changing for him. He said he felt welcomed, and it felt like family for him when he came. And he's been coming to our high school ministry through the spring and through the summer. And I even saw him recently as he was volunteering as a crew leader at VBS. So here's Connor, a guy that's pretty much brand new to ZPC, not technically a member yet, but really a member of our church family. And he's being sent. So he, someone was sent to reach him, Sean, and now he's being sent two weeks ago to reach our younger children through vacation Bible schools. He was a crew leader there. He leaves next Sunday to be a college student at Indiana University, but today at 10.30, he's becoming a member of ZPC. So here's a picture of Connor. If you see Connor around out in the gathering space afterwards, he'll be here early. Like I said, he's joining in the next hour. Um, Welcome him. He's He's a really neat young man, and it was very important to him that he joined the church and became a member of the church before he left for college. We have another person that's joining as well, and I wanted to recognize that. This is Stan and Mary Johnson, and they're joining at the 1030 service as well. And they know what it means to be sent as well because Stan is a a Presbyterian pastor for many years. He served as a pastor in Quincy, Massachusetts, as, as a Presbyterian church there, and Mary alongside him. And since they've been back and worshiping at ZPC, Mary has been sent to be a, uh, a home group leader, and this fall she's going to be a teacher in our elementary age Sunday school. So Mary is being sent as well. Stan is a member of Presbyterian, so he can't be a member of ZPC, but he certainly is a member of our church family. So whether it's, it's going to a foreign country, a short-term mission trip, to a neighbor, even somewhere here at church, if you are being sent, uh, listen for that. Watch for that and be bold enough and courageous enough to answer the call and go where God is sending you as Timothy and Epaphroditus did. Let us pray. Most loving God, we give you thanks that you love us, that you care about us. God, that if you do send us, you will not uh, leave us alone, that you will equip us. God, we even pray for your spirit to be sent to us that we might be encouraged to go where you are sending. We thank you, God, for this message from Philippians, and we ask uh, that encourages us to live for you. In Christ's name, amen.